Happy Easter. Good morning. Yes, it is a good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. And I, I just want to begin this morning because I'm just so thankful to report that God has yet to answer Josiah's prayer that I shared with you uh, last week. Uh, for those of you who weren't here uh, last week, uh, I, I shared that my son had decided that God needs to prove himself. That if he is real, he needs to do what Josiah says. And so he said, Dad, I told, I told God, I said, he needs to come and he needs to circle our house with lightning. You know, and that's my son. He doesn't want a, a wiggling tree branch. He doesn't want, you know, anything a normal person would ask for. He wants one of the most terrifying acts of nature. God want, he wants God to send it and to circle our house. Like, that's how my son thinks. But anyway, he has not answered his prayer. In fact, uh, we are thankful for that. And so, you know, like Garth Brooks, I'm thankful for unanswered prayers some of the time. But anyway, uh, Josiah reminded me, and he reminds us this morning that when we come to hard times in our lives, when we come to difficult times, if we're truly honest, like if we're real in this place this morning, we have to admit there are times where we struggle, where we begin to say, God, if you're real, then you ought to do what I tell you. If you're real, then you ought to prove it. If we're honest, there are times where we have questions, or better yet, doubts. In fact, there's someone in history that we're going to look at this morning in John chapter 20 that goes down as someone known for doubting. Have you ever heard the term doubting Thomas? Thomas is a man who's a disciple. He's a man who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Basically what this means is wherever Jesus went, Thomas went. Whatever Jesus did, Thomas did, or at least he watched Jesus do. So for three and a half years, he watches Jesus do these amazing things wherever he goes. He watched Jesus feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of fish and a couple, uh, couple of loaves of bread and some fish. Loaves of fish would be kind of gross, I think. But anyway, so he, he watched Jesus feed these people with just a few loaves of bread and just a few fish. He watched Jesus walk up to people who couldn't see, and Jesus said, see, and they saw. He, he watched Jesus walk on the water. Thomas had seen Jesus do some amazing things. But when push came to shove, Thomas had some doubts. Thomas is the professional pessimist. He is a cynic, or as I like to refer to myself, he's a realist. He's the, come on, did y'all, can y'all really believe that kind of guy? Do, do you really believe that? Like, like the other day, uh, Crystal came in and she was like, you know, I saw on Amazon that they have this thing on sale. It's, a, uh, it's this deal that uh, uh, causes snakes to run away. It's some kind of sonic uh, defense system against snakes. And I'm like, there's a reason it's on sale. That doesn't work, right? I, I mean, and, and I mean, I am. I'm the constant cynic. I'm not going to believe that. I mean, did, do you really believe that this thing is... Now, if you have one and it works, that's great for you. But can it, did you see any snakes before you put it out? Like, I, you know? Or, oh, I've only seen one since I put it out, so it must be working kind of. That's a really good business model, by the way. Like, how long does it take for folks to realize, oh, this doesn't work? I mean, who's going to buy it but people who don't live around snakes, right? And so... There, of course, hey, I haven't seen any snakes since I put it out. It must be worth that $15 off of the Amazon flash sale that I got it. But anyway, she was like, your first answer is always no. And I'm like, that's right. Because most of the time people are just ripping us off. I, 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 got, I got to uh, get to the bottom of this. I got to see the truth. And to so I feel Thomas. I, I feel where he's coming from when we look at him and we see that he's doubting. He's the guy who Jesus was going to the uh, funeral of his friend a man named Lazarus. 
And all the disciples are like, Jesus, I don't think this is a good idea, man. We go up there, they're liable to kill us. Those people up there, they don't like you. And Thomas's answer is, let's go die with him. Not, come on, guys, let's trust Jesus. Come on, we got this. Jesus has got our back. No, it's, eh, we might as well die with him. I mean, we ain't doing nothing better today. I mean, that was Thomas's attitude. That was his response. And so when we come and we look at him, we see a man who watched. In fact, they go and they go to Lazarus's funeral, and they go to Lazarus's funeral, and Jesus turns it into a resurrection. He causes Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And so Lazarus has watched Jesus bring someone back from the dead. And then he turns and he looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to rise up from the grave. They missed the rise up from the grave part and all they heard was Jesus is going to die. And they're like, no, that doesn't sound very good. But they do. They go to Jerusalem. They have what we call the Last Supper. And after the Last Supper, Jesus goes out and they go to their special prayer garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're praying. And as they are praying, there's another disciple, a disciple by the name of Judas, who is betraying. He's betraying uh, Jesus and the disciples. You see, G- Judas had went and he'd gotten with the, the religious leaders of the day who didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Jesus because Jesus kept calling them out, calling them hypocrites, saying that they were guilty before God, all these things, making fun of them, not really making fun of them, but making them look foolish. And so he goes and he gets the, the religious leaders and he says, I know where Jesus is hiding, or I know where Jesus is praying, and he's by himself. You see, the religious leaders didn't want to take Jesus out when everyone was around, because they took him out when everybody was around. Uh, people wouldn't like that because they liked Jesus. And so they go and they get Jesus while he's alone, while he's by himself. And they arrest him, and they take him, and they put him in front of the governor, a guy named Pilate. Uh, Pilate worked for the Roman government. And Pilate ultimately turns Jesus over to be crucified. If you're unfamiliar with what crucifixion is, this is where they would take someone and after humiliating them, after beating them, they would nail basically nails through their hands and through their feet and they would hang them up. And since you had nails through your hands and your feet, you wouldn't be able to support your weight. And eventually you would, you would drown in your own blood. It's a horrific torture device that the Romans had invented. It's also humiliating death publicly because most of the time they would strip you naked and let you hang for everyone to see and everyone to come by and hurl insults at you and so this is what takes place in in thomas's life as he walks with jesus he sees this taking place and as they hang jesus and as he's dying his disciples every one of them except for john the one who wrote this gospel we're going to look at this morning he 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 stands at the foot of the cross but all the rest of them run away they run and they hide and pretty much the most disappointing day of their life. See, in their mind, Jesus was going to set them free. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's going to come, and He's going to destroy that nasty old Roman government and get them off of their head, and He's going to set them free, and these guys are going to help Jesus rule this new kingdom. And it's going to be amazing. Like it's, They're going to be rich, and it's going to be wonderful. He's the Savior. This is what He's came to do. But then, they... Here, as everyone else watches Jesus die publicly in front of everyone, humiliated. And they may have said something like, that's what you boys get for following a crazy person who claims to be God. Thomas, a young man at this time, late teens, early 20s, has just experienced maybe one of the hugest blows in history to someone's faith, to their ego, to their emotions. Can you imagine? His whole life is falling in on him at this this moment. 
These men who followed Jesus, these apostles, these disciples, they didn't just come to see Jesus on Sunday. No, they, they left everything to follow him. They left their family, they left their, their home, they left their job, and they sold all out. They put all their eggs, if you will, in Jesus' basket and said, this is the guy we're going to follow. And now, he's dead. You ever been at that moment in your life? everything you had hoped for, everything you thought God was going to do, He doesn't do. In fact, He does the opposite. You're like, God, what's up with this? This is not how I had this plan. Maybe you didn't read the contract I sent you. Maybe you didn't read my five-year plan. Like, this is kind of how I saw this going. And you got it over here. Maybe you misread it. Maybe it was my, my handwriting. Maybe I should have typed it, right? I mean, but, but we, we have all found our play, our time, at times, we've found ourselves in the same spot as Thomas. Whereas we look at our life, we say, this is not what I expected when I signed up to follow Jesus. God, are, are you sure that you're real? Are you sure that you know what you're doing? And, and I, I bet this morning, even if you've never even thought about Jesus, even if you've never thought about God, you've found yourself in that place where you have more questions than you have answers. And if you are walking with Jesus this morning, there may be times in your life where you have more doubt than you have certainty. But I wanted us to look at this man named Thomas, because he is a man who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And he saw all these things that Jesus did. He saw Jesus walk on water, and yet he has doubts. Yet he has questions. Yet he has concerns about Jesus. <clears throat> and so when we come to John chapter 20 here, to sort of set the stage, Jesus has went to the cross. He has, been, he has died, and they have buried him in a tomb. They have covered the tomb with a rock. Three days later, some women go to the tomb. And when they go to the tomb, they find the tomb empty. But Jesus appears to them and he says, Listen, I'm no longer dead, as you can tell. I'm alive. Go and tell the boys. I'll be there in a bit. Tell them to gather together. I'm going to see them soon. And so we come to John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this moment uh, of time on, on Easter where we get to come and we get to, to worship you, where we get to celebrate not a dead Savior but a risen Savior. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who are questioning and doubting and hurting. God, I pray that you'd bring healing and restoration to them, that you would bring a joy to their heart that they have never felt. God, that they would see you, maybe even for the first time in this place. God, we need you in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the guys who'd walked with Jesus for three and a half years, they're trying to figure out what's next, that they may feel like they are next, it says here that the door is locked, and so they're for, for fear of the Jews. They are afraid they're going to be drug out into the street next and, and killed just like Jesus was. I mean, the guy that they had followed uh, uh, was dead, and so they feel like they're probably next on the list of uh, what the folks who they're going to kill. And, and so they're sitting there, they're eating. You can imagine they're eating. Maybe they look down to take a bite of fish, and they look up, and Jesus is standing there in the middle of the room. It would be kind of a crazy day, right? 
Like, here's Jesus standing in the room, and he says, Hey, guys, I just want to show you I really am him who died. Look here, there's some holes in my hand. Look here, there's a hole in my side where they stabbed me. Like, you, you could imagine their response. But it says that they were glad when they saw the Lord. They, they saw that he was not dead, but that he has risen. This is an exciting time. This is a, a great time in their life. And so he talks with them for a little bit, but then he's gone again. Like, he's gone again. And so look down, if you would, at verse 24. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Y'all are beginning to doubt if we were ever going to get to Thomas, weren't you? I could tell by your faces. But anyway, so now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails... And place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You notice that? I will never believe. So Thomas isn't there when Jesus appears uh, to the disciples. He's sort of the guy that's not there when something crazy happens. Like you ever have your friends that are like, dude, you should have been here and saw this. And you're like, no, nah, I don't believe it. Like, no way that happened. Like that's, that's Thomas. He, had, he wasn't there. And he's like, if I wasn't here, didn't happen. Unless you could show me a picture, it's not happening. And since they didn't have cameras, right? I mean, he's just, there's no proof that he can have here. And so he says, I wasn't here, therefore it must not have happened. Sort of like me and the sonar device. Even if I do see a snake crawling out there, unless he looks and says, that sonar device is the reason, I'm not believing it. I'm sorry, I'm just not doing it. And, and so Thomas says, there's no way, no way I'm believing that Jesus is actually alive. No one comes back from being crucified. I don't care if he walked on water. I don't care if he raised someone else from the dead. No one comes back from being crucified. No one can survive such a thing. Not even God can bring someone back from that. So Thomas wants proof. He wants to, to figure out. He wants to believe. Or he doesn't want to believe. He doesn't want to, to just take their word for it. He wants to see it himself. He's had a rough couple of days and now he's being told that the person that hung on the cross the person that was beaten so badly you couldn't even recognize him that he was back from the dead and so he says that i, I don't believe it yeah, unless i see visible tangible proof i'm not going to believe it unless lightning circles my house i'm not going to believe it god unless you do what i want you to i'm not going to believe and I'm afraid sometimes, guys, we get the same attitude as Thomas. And maybe you even have that attitude now. But unlike Thomas, we question God, but we question Him privately. We question Him without ever telling anyone else. We question Him without even admitting it to God. We have these doubts, but we hide them away and we pretend that they're not there. Thomas, is, at least, is man enough to admit it. Thomas, at least, is man enough to say, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't get this. I, I don't believe this. Unless you make your doubts known, they can never be addressed. As long as you pretend, nothing can ever be done. And so I wonder this morning, if you're doubting, if you're hiding that doubt from God, did you know God already knows anyway? But, but look, look down at verse 26. Verse 26, it says that eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said... Peace be with you. So 
So for a week, Thomas has been saying, pick or it didn't happen, right? Show me or I won't believe. And now finally, a week later, Jesus shows up out of nowhere and he's like, you know, peace be with you. As opposed to, boo. Like, I mean, that's probably what I would do, right? This is how much we know Jesus loves us. Because if you have this opportunity, you know you can scare them good. You're probably going to do it, right? I mean, at least I probably would. I'm going to be honest with you. I do that sometimes in my house and I have to dodge the, the fist as Crystal tries to punch me for doing such terrible things to her. And, and I deal with the crying afterwards after I scare the children. But, I mean, you can just imagine being able to show up and be like, boo. But anyway, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, peace be with you. And the reason why he says peace be with you is because he wants to make clear he's not there to destroy them. Like he's not there to hurt them. He's there to help them. And, and so he says, peace be with you. Can you imagine Thomas's face at this moment, guys? He has walked with Jesus for three and a half years, then when he hears Jesus is risen from the dead, he, uh, he says, mm, I don't believe. Then Jesus appears in front of him. Can you imagine how embarrassed he must have been? Can you imagine how afraid he must have been? He, he must have been imagining Jesus is going to lay the hammer on him. I mean, that's kind of what we would think, right? I mean, here he is. He's denied the one who died for him. But look at verse 27. So this is what Jesus says to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus doesn't show up angry. He shows up with love. In fact, he doesn't say, You should have done believed. No, he says, Here, I want to give you proof, Thomas. I want to show you that this is legit. I want to show you that I actually did rise from the dead. I want to show you the hole in my, in my hand, and I want to show you the, the hole in my side, and I want you to believe. I, I, if I was Thomas, no, I'm good. Like, I, I, don't, I don't need that at this point. But Jesus says humility and His kindness and His grace. I, I mean, how does He respond to, to doubt in the life of a man who had walked with Him, one of His closest friends? How does he respond? Does he respond with a fireball or a bolt of lightning? No, thank the Lord. He responds to Thomas being an unbeliever with love and grace and kindness. And he says, leave your doubt behind, Thomas. Stop being an unbeliever and be a believer. Stop, stop doubting me and start believing in me. See, Thomas, who had seen Jesus do un amazing things, unimaginable things, even though he doubted, Jesus comes and he says, I want you to believe. He doesn't come and say, you know what, you've, you've had enough proof. Like, I kind of showed you this when I raised Lazarus. That should have been a good sign for you that I have this ability. Or maybe when I walked on water. Maybe any number of times, Thomas, that should have been enough proof. But you see, Thomas, even though you don't deserve anything else, this isn't about you getting what you deserve. It's about you believing in me. And so Jesus appears and he pleads, he begs Thomas to believe. Guys, just, just let that set in for a moment this morning as you think about the humility of our Savior. The God of the universe, the Lord of lords and King of kings, who has paid the penalty for this man, he does not say, well, you know, either you believe or you don't. No, he shows up and he begs a man who is doubting him to believe. That is love, that is grace, that is mercy. And so how does Thomas respond? How, well, how does he answer him? Look at verse 28. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
And see, for Thomas, Jesus is no more just a teacher. He's no more just a a good friend. He's no more just an amazing man or a prophet. He's the God-man. He is his master, and he is the God of the universe. And so he says, my Lord and my God. The guy who doubted more probably than just about anybody in history looks and says, you really are the Savior of the world. You really are the God of the universe. You're more than just a man. You are the God-man. And so he has this proof right here in front of him. To what you may say, that's great for Thomas, but what about me? Jesus had you in mind. Look at verse 29. He knew you was going to ask that, as a matter of fact. Jesus said to him, to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen in me? Blessed or accepted of God are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus was thinking of you even when he was speaking to Thomas here. And he says to you that if you believe without seeing how blessed you truly are. If Thomas is blessed because he saw God, uh, uh, saw Jesus standing in front of him and he believed, how much more so the, those who hear the testimony of Thomas and believe? How much more so are we accepted by Christ? You see, Jesus is going back to heaven. He's not going to come and appear to everybody who asked him to appear uh, to them. That's not how it works. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so he gave Thomas and he gave the rest of the apostles a, a sure faith to pass on to us. And the, these eyewitnesses had absolute certainty, absolute surety that Jesus is alive and well, that he truly rose from the grave. Thomas and the rest of them, uh, they go out and they proclaim that Jesus is alive from this point on until the day that they die. This man who had died in public, he didn't die in private where anybody could, could, could question whether or not he was truly dead. No, he was killed by people who were professional killers. Like that's what they did for a living. They pronounced people as dead. And, and so they, they pronounced Jesus as dead. They put him in a tomb. And then these men who had nothing to gain and everything to lose went out and they began to proclaim that he is risen from the dead that he is alive and well. They go from hiding in a room with the door locked to going out and preaching in the temple openly for everybody to see, not caring what anybody thinks. In fact, there's so many people who see him alive after his death that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he writes about over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus alive at one time. At the writing of the New Testament, there are living eyewitness accounts of Jesus being alive and well. This is not something that is hearsay. This is something that was seen by eyewitnesses. This is factual information. This is actually a a, a date in history. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his people. And, And so he appears to Thomas, and Thomas has the privilege of seeing him. But we have the privilege of believing on him, even though we've never seen him. You see, Jesus knew that Thomas was not going to be the last doubting Thomas. And he knew that we would need someone who actually saw it. Jesus knew that you would be sitting here on this Easter Sunday morning with those doubts you have, with those questions you have, saying, I'm not so sure about all of this. And he wanted you to, to look in his word, and he wanted, you to look at, he wanted to look right at you through his words and say, believe on me. Stop not believing and start believing. Stop being an unbeliever and begin to follow me. He knew that you'd be sitting here this morning and needing to hear the fact that you are accepted in Him if you will only believe. 
He knew that you, that you would need someone to tell you that there is eternal life available. Not a longer life, not a better life, but an eternal life. In fact, the, the, the man who wrote this book, the, the Gospel of John, if you would look at verse 30, look at what he says to end his book about Jesus. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. In other words, I know you have a lot of other questions. I know I haven't answered all of your questions, but the point of this gospel is not to answer all your questions. The point of this gospel is to show you Jesus so that you can believe in Him and have life in His name. In fact, he goes on to say, I, I saw Jesus do all kinds of amazing things, but there's not enough room in the world for all the books that would be written if I wrote them all down. And his point is, this book is not to answer all your questions, but to point you to the one who can give you eternal life. He says, I want you to believe in his name and find life. Why would we need life? Well, because we're guilty before an eternal God. And Jesus has paid our penalty for our sin. We, we could never pay it. We could never earn our way back into God's graces. Only Jesus could pay it. And Jesus went to the cross and he paid it, and he rose again. And after he rose again, he says, if you'll believe on me, you won't die, but you'll have everlasting life. He says, if you'll believe on me, I won't give you a better life. I'll give you an eternal life. He says, come to me, and I'll clean you up. Come to me, and I'll forgive you of your sins, and you will find freedom in me. And if you come to him, guess what you'll have? Life in his name. Forgiveness in his name. And so I just wonder this morning, Will you be like Thomas? Will you look at his word to you and see where he says, don't go on unbelieving, but go on believing? Would you look at his word and say, my Lord and my God? Or will you go out of here this morning and say, you know what? I got too many questions and not enough answers. Can I, can I just tell you something? He doesn't call you this morning to understand everything there is, to know about everything. We can't know that. We'll never know that. At least not this side of heaven. There's no possible way. Say, I just don't know enough. Neither did Thomas. I guarantee you, he kept on learning. I guarantee you, he had more times where he's like, God, I'm not so sure. I'm doubting again. So I'm not, I'm not asking you this morning. God is not asking you to say, I got it all figured out. You'll never have it all figured out. What he's asking from you is that you believe on the name of Jesus. And, and you say, Lord, I... I don't know everything about everything. I do know I've messed up and I can never make it right. I do know that I've fallen short and I can never make up the distance. I, I can never be back in your good graces apart from Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? That, that's what he's asking from you. He's not asking you to have 100% certainty at all times. Even his own disciples didn't get it. What he's asking from you is that you believe and you begin to follow you begin to follow, and you begin to follow, and you continue to follow, and you continue to follow. And as you follow, guess what? He, he teaches you some things. He answers some questions. You know what? Some questions he never answers. At least he hasn't yet for me. And I'm sure many of you who have been walking with him a long time can testify to this. He, he may never answer all of your questions. But that's not the point. The point is not to know everything. The point is to have life, to have it eternally with him. And so before, before we close this morning, I want to ask you, have you believed on Jesus? Have you trusted in Him? Have you put your faith in Him? 
Or are you looking for more proof? Are you looking for more answers? Would you believe on Him? If you have believed on Him and you're, you're going through a time in your life, you're like, God, I, I don't see what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. Look at Thomas. He didn't hide it. He, he didn't pretend to have it all together. He didn't pretend to be certain 100% of the time. No, he said, I, I don't know. I don't believe. Be honest with God. And guess what? God will be honest with you. Thankfully, he doesn't always answer every prayer you, you ask him for, right? He doesn't always send lightning. But very often, he sends people into your life. He'll say, hey, let me show you Jesus. Let me show you Jesus in my life. Let me show you how he's worked in my life. Let me show you how he's working and how he's going to work in your life. Very often he sends people into our lives to show us Jesus when we don't even expect it. I'm sure Thomas wasn't expecting it that day that Jesus popped up in that room and said, peace be with you. Maybe this morning you just need to be reminded that God is at work in your life. That he's at work in the life of those around you. Ask him, God, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I am doubting. Would you help my unbelief? Guess what? He will. And, and so this morning, if you've never believed on G Jesus, you've never trusted on him, would you believe on him this morning and have life in his name? If you would, uh, pray with me. And after I pray, we're going to have a time of invitation. And during this time, this time is the time for you to respond to what God is doing in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your mercy and your love every day. God, I thank you that this morning God, we can be open and honest with you and God, that you will come to us in mercy and grace and show us love and kindness even as we ask you these questions, Lord, even as we are sharing with you where we are struggling. Lord, I pray that you would uh, come alongside those this morning who are hurting, who are doubting, and God, that they would again find their, their hope in you, find their faith in you. Lord, I, I pray that Jesus would be lifted up by the way we live as we walk out of here today. And Lord, I pray for those who have never trusted on you. I pray that this morning that they would see Jesus and they would see him clearly. And God, that they would follow after you, Lord Jesus, every day of their life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You would stand with us and we're going to sing. And as we sing, if you want to come down front and pray, you come down front and pray. You want to pray with me, you come pray with me. You want to pray right where you are, you pray right where you are. You do business with God, however he's calling you. I hear the Savior say, I strengthen thee soul, weakness watch and pray.
for spending this Easter Sunday morning with us. We, we thank you for being with us and being a part of our family this morning.